0: Hey everybody, this is Brady Hoke, and if I know one thing, it's bad college football. That's why I'm here to tell you about the Shutdown Fullcast, a college football podcast so bad that it's mostly not even about football. Every Wednesday you can listen to Spencer Hall, Jason Kirk, and Ryan Nanny ramble about grocery stores, John Gruden's secrets to everlasting wealth, and unsolved murders. The Shutdown Fallcast. We're very sorry. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. My name is Mike Prada, and we've got a chance to talk about two huge stories. If you click on our feed, you can check out the second podcast that we recorded on Thursday. Um, Phil Jackson leading the Knicks with Ariel Helwani, uh, a great MMA journalist, but also a Knicks fan, and Christian Winfield of spdation.com. On this show... We're going to talk about Chris Paul to the Houston Rockets. We have Max Kroos. He's a writer for the Dream Shake. And in this little mini podcast, we try to figure out what is this Houston Rockets team going to look like exactly. Because we're not really sure, but we applaud the boldness nonetheless. But before any of that, be sure to check us out on iTunes. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Give us a nice review or a mean review. You know, whatever works. Uh, We want to get that feedback no matter what. Uh, you can also check us out on SBNation.com. You can check us out on Stitcher, on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And you should always ask us questions on the Limited Upside Twitter feed at Limited underscore Upside. Again, we got two podcasts coming for you today. This one is on the Chris Paul trade with Max of The Dream Shake. This is the Limited Upside podcast. Welcome back, Limited Upside Podcast. Mike Parada here, Ben Epstein here. On the line, we have someone that we really need to talk to because our entire NBA world was shaken upside down with the Chris Paul trade to the Houston Rockets. And joining us to try to dissect what the heck they're thinking and what the <laughs> heck everybody's thinking, we have Max Crows. He's a writer for the DreamShake SB Nation's Houston Rockets site. Max, man, what when you first heard that they actually were going to pull this thing off? Like, what was the first thing that went through your head?
1: I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, the first thing that went through my mind, obviously, was that Daryl Morey is this, you know, analytics genius that he he always gets portrayed to be. It's kind of like the legend of him as a general manager gets built up and up and up. And then he does things like this that seemingly justify every preconception and every notion and every rumor. And as, as a Rockets fan, um, you know, we, we don't go in every single season expecting to win the title. And one of the things that we've done year after year is trust Daryl Morey. And right here, I, it's just unbelievable what he was able to pull off. Didn't even give up a starter. I mean, like, uh, it, it's it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, it, it certainly feels like, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that there's like a premeditated nature to everything he does, right? That there's everything. a calculation two years ago that helped lead to where we are right now. And I guess I want to get, I'm glad you brought up the fact that there are um, no starters involved. Real quick, just so Prada can level set for uh, the lay fan who might be listening to this podcast. Mike, just give us the nuts and bolts of this trade. You've been doing a lot of work. Sure, This going to be Mike's hard. <laughs> been doing a lot of work with um, <laughs> tr- trying to help people understand the salary cap ramifications uh, of what seems to be uh, an impossible oh move to be made, but is not impossible whatsoever. And actually, again, the method to the madness here, that Moray is such an intelligent guy from the analytics standpoint, but also from uh, an accountant standpoint. So this, this one was one of the more... W- complicated trades i've ever seen <laughs> i think i have this right so
0: chris paul was going to be a free agent this summer but he had not officially opted out to exercise his early termination option to become a free agent so instead of doing that the rockets who by the way had no cap space or at least not nearly enough cap space because they gave out how much million combined to ryan anderson and eric gordon last year i mean like 31 million a season uh so I was all under the impression that this was all really silly, like nobody's going to take Ryan Anderson to give him cap space. So instead, what they did is they – weirdly, Chris Paul opted into his contract. I don't know how he could have possibly known the Rockets were going to trade for him because that's illegal according to NBA rules. That I don't know how he could have possibly thought that. Or just a total coincidence that he opted in, Right. You guys got to sell this joke a little bit better yeah go for it
1: no. <laughs> oh, there, <laughs> so he opted in there were no text messages at all absolutely none, none not, at certain. all um, yeah
0: no no so
1: it, it, his phone is where tom brady's phone is right now
0: absolutely <laughs> yes and where d'angelo russell's phone is in that commercial of the footlocker just That's threw it right out the window <laughs> um yeah so i guess he opted in and so then the the rockets were able to execute a trade for him not even a sign trade just a straight up trade where they sent out, let me see if I get this right. Patrick Beverly, uh, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, uh, and then they still needed to they 2018 first round pick, and then they still needed to secure enough non-guaranteed salary in order to make the trade work uh with Paul's trade kicker, which he mostly waived. So they went on a spending spree for the most obscure uh backup players you know in the league. Trading in cash for guys like Tim Quarterman and Darren Hilliard and uh, what's the name of the Sixers' dude, Sean
2: Long? Sean Long,
0: yeah. So I guess they ultimately included, what, Kyle Wilcher was already on their roster and Hiller- Hilliard and DeAndre Liggins, I think, were also technically in the deal in order to yep. make the numbers match. Uh, and they were able to do it straight up for Chris Paul and make yep. it a legal trade that they're yep. able to
2: execute after July 1st. Incredible. I like it's kind of amazing that well this feels just like if um if there's some kid at home right now who's like 12 years yeah. old and he's not idolizing superstar basketball players he's idolizing the general managers and the basketball operations uh um superstars of the world there's a guy who just put up his Moray poster and it has like all the fine print of this trade on it <laughs> <laughs> this, this is true this is truly a, a magnificent wheeling and dealing situation I, and again
1: this is like this is like I used to play the NBA games back in the day, like in the two thousands and like in 2004 or 2005, six, seven, whatever, you would like simulate the seasons. Right. And you'd like try and build your super team on NBA, um, on NBA live. And there was no, um, there was no trade mechanism in the, in those games back then. It was like, you could just be like, okay, I'd like to trade, uh, three backup players for Tim Duncan trade approved. It's oh, yeah, kind of like that, that, <laughs> Yeah, it's like there was not the mechanism on NBA 2K to be like, oh, no, that trade's not going through. The Clippers would never do that. Right. Right.
0: Well, of course, Paul had already informed them that he would like to sign with the Rockets. So they were kind of forced to lose him for nothing or take this back. So, and this was the only way the trade, the transaction could actually work. So, you know, considering that they. We're going to lose them anyway. That's not bad for the Clippers to get
2: that. Yeah. I, I guess I want to know, like, again, we hit your reaction uh, here, Max. But, like, aside from the reaction immediately as it happened, let's gauge your thoughts now on what this means. We don't have what, too much time What, here, what so, is this team going to look w- yeah, like, What man. does this mean for a basketball team?
1: I mean, it could work. It could not work. It, it, it could go both ways. Um, on, the, on the could work side of things, I mean, Mike D'Antoni was interviewed yesterday. And his comment out the gate was, you can't have too many good point guards on a team. Um, I don't know if that means the Rockets are going to go out and chase Kyle Lowry now or what.
0: Uh, <laughs> this will be like when David Kahn collected point guards in that draft.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> the Johnny Flynn. <laughs> former former Rocket Johnny Flynn at That's some right. point, I think. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so Mike D'Antoni thinks it's going to work. He hasn't said anything about how it might work. Um, He did hint that he's going to let the players try and figure it out a little bit. Um, He likes the players to be comfortable in the things that they adopt. We saw that in the Rockets team uh, that came together this past season, that James Harden was the driving engine of things more than any X's and O's uh, and set plays that Mike D'Antoni was putting together on a regular basis. Same thing we saw in Phoenix. Um, And so there's there's a couple theories of how this works. One that people are talking about a whole bunch is staggering the minutes. Um, If you play James Harden 36 minutes a game and you play Chris Paul 32 minutes a game, um, then the two of them only share the court for 20 minutes a game. Um, That means that for 28 minutes of the game, uh, they're going to be one of the two of them will be on the court running their style of offense. Um, And we're all familiar with that. These are two of the most offensive, most efficient offensive players in the league and two of the most legendary assist players. Um, Only three active players have led the league in assists. James Harden, Chris Paul, and Rajon Rondo, and now two of them are on the same team.
0: So it won't happen again.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's a theory that you could stagger these minutes. Um, I'd also point out um, for a piece that I'm working on later this summer um, that James Harden played the entire first quarter of uh, over 60, 63 of his 81 games. Um, that doesn't need to happen. Like James Harden is tired at the end of these games and there needs to be a mechanism that saves him for the fourth quarter more than use him in the first quarter and then use him in the third quarter when the Rockets always hit this slow grinding lull that drags the team down and lets inferior teams catch up to them.
0: Well, he'd have to agree to that, right? I thought part of the reason that he does that is that he wants to play the whole quarter and they they would have loved to have taken him out sooner and last year but he didn't want to do that. That hits at what I think is going to be the real yep. interesting tension like cuz like you said if you just do this from a basketball standpoint like okay it's not the cleanest fit in the world it can it can be figured out especially with the staggering point. The problem the, the interesting thing I see is personality wise like how are these two guys going to mesh?
1: Oh, and that's totally big can't work. This is going to be the ultimate test of James Harden's temperament um cuz let's let's be honest here in that last Dwight Howard James Harden season James Harden was visibly unhappy um and was just over the whole Dwight Howard thing didn't want to deal with it anymore and kind of wasn't wasn't giving full effort i mean we we still don't really know what was going on in that game 6 in the playoffs but that looked like a disinterested version of James Harden in that game 6 against the San Antonio Spurs where he put up one of the one of the worst games by a by a premier player in in NBA playoff history, um, and I mean just from watching the Clippers, also like at this point after that team had been together for so long, like every time that Chris Paul walks over to talk to Blake Griffin, like to me it looks like it, 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 it Blake Griffin gets this look on his face like. Like he hadn't seen episode seven of Star Wars yet. And Chris Paul just tells him that Han Solo dies. He like, dies? That's like, what? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's,
1: like, yeah. that's like, did you really just do that, man? God, I can't believe that. Like that's, <laughs> that's, like, that's the look on Blake Griffin's face all the time. So it's going to be the ultimate test to James Harden's temperament.
2: Yep. And I feel like, you know, ultimately here, if we're going to project this a little bit, like this is not about – are they going to win 50 games in the regular season? Are they going to win 55 games in the regular season? It's about that fourth quarter against the Spurs in game five where you have hit that wall. And James Harden is tired from carrying such a bulk of the load offensively. Uh, And and then all of a sudden, you have a completely different type of set offense you can run in the half court with Harden being off-ball in a, in a very theoretical offensive set that they might run, it's a lot harder for Kawhi Leonard to guard James Harden off ball than it is when he's bringing the ball up the court. These little things will make astronomical differences, and this is just from a simplistic basketball standpoint. This isn't like the X's and O's mm-hmm. or what D'Antoni will try to implement at practices. This is just thinking about the head-to-head matchups that are pretty straightforward in the Western Conference. Yeah,
0: here's here's the complication I see, though. It's not like you can, like— put Chris Paul on ice and then toss him in there in the fourth quarter of game, game five, when you need something different, you know, you have to get through 82 games first and yeah, they're going to try to stagger him and like kind of do that, all that. And that makes sense. It's just, I mean, it's a lot easier to say like, Oh yeah, I need another ball handler now after I just finished a stretch of the season where I really could have used that player you got to get through eighty-two games first, and like, how much is how much is this pairing going to work in December? And how much of what happens in December and like, kind of the whatever residue that comes from the growing pains, both on and off the court, is going to make that moment in May when you need that work ineffectively? And that's look, that's the risk that is taking, and you know, that's that's what he always does—is he says, you know, yeah, we had a great, nice little fifty-five win team, had a really great season that yep. changed, broke basketball. It's not going to beat the Warriors, so at least this team has a chance of beating the Warriors. It also could completely blow up, and Chris Paul could leave after next year.
1: And th- this is this is also a problem that Mike D'Antoni's Phoenix Suns teams faced. Mm-hmm. When he had those run-and-gun s- teams with Steve Nash, that team just putting on their jerseys was worth 50 wins. But then when they got to the playoffs and they ran into Greg Popovich— uh, who you know came out with new defensive sets and spent time studying them and found out how to lock them down. They ran into problems every single time. The Rockets did the same thing this season. When they hit San Antonio, um, San Antonio's defense in that series was more sophisticated and better than any of the sets that the Rockets had seen uh, throughout the entire regular season. And the Rockets didn't adjust properly. To get around the pick and roll defense. I mean, just aside from the fact that Kawhi Leonard is an absolute defensive monster. Um, they just didn't have a solution for being able to beat them. Chris Paul, arguably to the to the point, might be something that helps them beat it because the Spurs were doing everything to park one guy in the paint mm-hmm. and then play on the three-point shooters and then have Kawhi go around every single screen that was set pretty much because outside of Nene, the Rockets don't have a single person that can set a pick strong enough to stop Kawhi Leonard from going over or under and keeping up with James Harden. Um And once they do,
0: they slip them. That's just not their. That's how they set their picks. It's totally different.
1: I I think that the problem that the Rockets have is Ryan Anderson isn't a guy that's going to be able to free James Harden in a lot of in a lot of instances. Um, He was in the regular season. You go back and watch like the games between the Spurs in the regular season and Ryan Anderson was able to get him free. Um, and then in the playoffs, when the Spurs, you know, made sure that Aldridge and Leonard were on the same page, Ryan Anderson was totally in a finish in the pick and roll. The only guy that that was able to get James Harden in any daylight at all was was Nene. And once he was out, they were they were up they were up a creek without a paddle on on the offensive end.
0: Yeah, I mean this this is a limited version of I think what the big stylistic question I have on the court is. Mm-hmm. I know that the Rockets didn't play at this whip-neck pace last year. That's not a word. Whiplash, break, uh, breath-neck, break-neck. I combine two break-neck, words. Break-neck, whiplash, yep. Yeah. yep. yep. Mike, Mike does whip-neck. that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if you can think of two idioms,
2: he'll take half of one and half of the other. <laughs> <laughs> I think there might need to be a Twitter account where I just
0: yeah, – Anyway, they don't play as fast as you'd think, but they – like you talked about the screen philosophy, and that's like a little thing that like has a big ramification. So Chris Paul is used to playing this grind it out like kind of. I I get late. People lay out folks to get me open, and I grind out what I need to grind out. Like the Rockets' whole thing is like, it's almost not really the point for Ryan Anderson to free James Harden. He just kind of goes slips to an area, and they use the confusion that like slip causes to to create openings. Those are two very different sort of philosophies on how to run pretty much the most basic thing in the world and so I'm curious besides sort of staggering them so that there's time where they get to kind of be solo acts which I think they Mike Dinsenter said that he would do and you know assuming that one of them is willing to accept that like hey I gotta come out of the game a little sooner like I think they'll figure that out like what how what kind of system are they going to actually be able to build that kind of takes advantage of sort of both of their temperaments you know that's what I'm really curious to see I mean we don't know what the team's going to be either they have more moves to make right, right. you know yeah but, That's the big question I have.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a huge question. It's going to depend on personnel and it's also going to depend on how Chris Paul and James Harden are going to approach this situation from their point of views as well. Who's going to, who's going to start with the ball and and what the motions are going to be past that. Um, I mean, a lot of the stats, Schumann had a piece up that had uh, the catch and shoot stats in it. And both of them are great catch and shoot um, shooters, um, but Paul only shot 10 percent of his shots on catch and shoot last season and Harden only shot 12.7 percent of his shots on catch and shoot. Um, I'm surprised so, it was that high. I thought that would be even lower. Yeah. Uh, and and so I think the the thinking is if if you can get one of those guys free and turn them into a catch and shoot shooter on some of these plays, you're getting more efficient shots. Um, but a lot of it's going to come down the personnel and who else is on the court. And right now we have absolutely no picture of, of what that's going to be because the Rockets traded every single one of their bench players. <laughs> um, but in do, in doing so, um, one of the one of the things that they did, right, is they went over the salary cap as well um, yes. in acquiring all those uh, extra pieces. And that secures them the mid-level exception and the biannual exception. The so full to have exception. Right, right. So they're going to have a full eight mil and three mil to go out and chase um, some veteran players. Um, so that's that's another thing that Maury was doing. Um, so we don't know who those players are going to be. I would say probably they're going to offer the biannual exception to Nene and see if he's willing to return. But other than that, they're going to go out and chase and uh, and see who's who's interested in joining uh, in joining this team.
2: Interesting. So do you have any targets in mind that you would like to see appended to this team? Well, and other than Paul George. Other than Paul George. Yeah, George. yeah and right, and right. Like, <laughs> like, like, question, question two would be, what is the, uh, um, you know, how likely is that to happen?
1: Um, Paul the Paul or? George move? Uh, I would say that it, it, it seems unlikely to happen at this point just because the Rockets just don't have that many assets to move. And I would assume that if you're the Pacers, you're still trying to extort the Lakers for absolutely everything you can. Um uh, also, obviously, they're dealing with the Cavs, so I'd say that the Pacers are probably going to try and hang on to Paul George until they're confident that they can not extort the Lakers for everything they want, and then move him to someone like a Cleveland or a Houston or Boston. Uh, yeah, or Boston and 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 Houston. When it come, especially against Boston, we don't have the assets left over to to make a type of offer that Boston does. He would be the perfect absolute player to fit um, in this, and like hilariously like. Yesterday in a press conference uh, Daryl Morey pretty much fa- uh, pretty much paraphrased Fallout boy by saying that this is an arms race. This ain't a league, it's an arms race at this point. Um so he's mm-hmm. going to go out and try and find someone like Paul George, Paul Millsap has been mentioned as well. I would tell you how, when how you go are they below get that. Paul Millsap? Like that I, I, I don't. I've, I don't I've, see I've
0: that like one. been I should stop doubting them because I was saying the same thing about Paul but like they'd have to find a taker for Ryan Anderson to even get in the conversation. Mm-hmm. and that yep they wouldn't even get them far enough like that's that to me is not going to happen who knows yeah and
1: anderson's contract is 60 million over the remaining three years of it so that's just yeah. going to be a really really difficult one to move maybe after this season when it's down to two years you could find uh someone that's going for the tank route and maybe unload it but uh th- at, at three years and 60 million i i don't know who the taker would be for that um past that I think that obviously JJ Reddick and Kyle Corver are both going to get phone calls. The Rockets, uh, you know, love shooting threes more than anything else. Um, Jamichael green is another free agent that they're probably going to, um, try and talk to. Uh, I-, I would tell you that my dream scenario would be Otto Porter. Um, no, but he's going to get paid by somebody. Happening.
2: Max, I agree yep. with you. I think Otto Porter yeah. would be perfect for them. Yeah.
0: I mean, the only problem yeah. is that a lot of Otto Porter would be perfect for them if they had money. Um, I think they need like a combo for, you know, Patrick Patterson coming back to Houston would be a pretty good fit. I yep. think. Yep. Someone yep. like that or like a PJ Tucker or uh, I'm trying to think who else is on the market that they could get with that money. Uh, you know, a good veteran through four shooter that can play with Capella um, and maybe be better defensively than Ryan Anderson. You know, maybe another wing player. But Iggy? I don't think. I mean, it, those guys are not going to go for the mid-level exception. Yeah. I mean, Agadala is going to have twenty million dollars offers yep. from somewhere. I mean, same thing with Redick
2: as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, they've got to aim lower. I think. Mm-hmm. Although you know, you never know. Plus, they could always um, give keep the biannual and then give Nene like a uh, his non-bird rights. I
2: believe yeah. they could always just re-sign him that way. So, it, uh, hey, Max. If um if tomorrow um. Carmelo was bought out by the Knicks and was like, "I want to play for the Rockets. I want to join my banana boat buddy, Chris Paul. I want to be a part of this new, uh, you know, uh, um, big uh, big three, if you will, that will hopefully be able to dethrone the Warriors." Would you be excited about Carmelo Anthony joining the Rockets?
1: That gives me some some Dwight Howard level trepidation there, because because <laughs> like Dwight Howard, right? D- d- The one problem with Dwight Howard on the Rockets was he did not want to run a pick and roll, right? Like, that's not what he wanted. He wanted to go down the post and be a a historic uh, big man center that played in the post um, and refused to do what was best for him in that team's construct. Um, Carmelo Anthony gives me trepidation because it's the same situation. Are we talking about Team USA power forward Carmelo Anthony are we talking about Carmelo Anthony in a potential Clay Thompson catch-and-shoot type of role, or are we talking about the Carmelo Anthony that we've seen for the last decade, um, who is uh, someone who has the ball in his hands, likes to try and break down a defender, likes to get the ball and then go into the post with the ball, because um, those aren't things that really fit what the Rockets do and have done. The other roles are absolutely roles that Carmelo Anthony could perform at an elite level um, for a team that, you know, could challenge some of the best teams in the league um, if he's interested in playing that way. Um, so it would cause me excitement if the entire conversation were around either of those two scenarios. But there is trepidation that Carl Anthony, Carmelo Anthony has shown an unwillingness to play those roles to this point. Um, but he's also been the top dog on every team he's been on up to this point. So it's sure. not like he's been asked to play those roles. Yeah, Yeah. well, we'll see. And and to be clear to to the points you guys are making, Chris Paul gives us a little bit of trepidation too, right? We, I was going to say, we,
0: I mean, we have no it's trepidation but it's also I I find it exciting because, you know, they're going for it. It's a better I think Ricky O'Donnell wrote this as a better league when someone actually tries to rise up with the Warriors. This I think that there's a very strong chance this blows up on them. I don't like the fit, but I like that they're trying. So It'll be a lot. It'll be real interesting to see how it goes. So, anyway, we've got to wrap this part up. Uh, part two, we'll have Ariel Helwani, Christian Winfield. to will talk about the other big story that happened recently. Phil Jackson's out in New York. Huh. Anyway, That'll Max Kroos, the Dream Shake, thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Max.